All right, welcome to the Peyton Years, your home for Oregon State men's basketball, the only podcast in existence dedicated solely to Oregon State men's basketball. As always, I'm your host, Andy, and I'm here with my friend, Sam. Sam, how are you doing? You know, I'm I'm doing fantastic, Andy. I, it, I It's been, I would say, a whirlwind of a past week, of course, with with the college basketball season starting and now in, in full force. Uh, I, I, I think it was a beautiful thing Tuesday morning, November 8th, when, when the country woke up with its collective conscience on, on one thing and one thing only, and that was obviously the Beavers' second half comeback over Tulsa the previous evening. Truly a, a thrilling and, and magical evening to witness and another very fun and exciting Went over Florida A and M on Friday, and I'm super excited to talk about it with yeah. you this evening. Yeah, that's exactly right. Oregon State is two and zero to start the season. Shout out to all the haters; they've almost eclipsed the win total from last year, um, which is a great thing to see. And we're going to break down the two games uh, that we watched. We're going to preview the upcoming two games. We're going to get into all of it. But first, as always, the Oregon State fight song. Listen up. Wow, that feels good. It feels good any time, any day. But yes, I mean, we, we'd be lying if we said it wasn't a little bit sweeter following a 2-0 and start. The 2-0 and start. And I, I think the only thing that makes it sweeter, and I think because we are a true Oregon State basketball podcast that we should lead off with this, is uh, U of O lost to UC Irvine the other day, 69-56. It was not that close. It was a blowout. Let's just jump in with that. No, no, no. We made it far enough into this without – right, already. We can go ahead and talk about what happened after the Beavers win Friday evening. Exactly. Let's just start off with a little bit of duck talk to feed the fans out there. Oregon looks terrible to start the year off. Atrocious. I mean, like, I I think it's – it's fair to say that there a lot of people thought their backcourt might not be quite as good as it was last year, but my God. Yeah, their backcourt looks slow. It looks old. It looks unathletic. I mean, I was trying to explain this to a friend that obviously I have bias. I'm biased towards Oregon State. But I watched both the Florida A&M game and then the Oregon-UC Irvine game back-to-back, and I feel like if you just drop me in, without any knowledge of basketball at all or any ties, any emotional ties and ask me which backcourt is better, I would say, oh, the orange and black team, obviously. Yeah, the uh, losing Davion Harmon and replacing him with Keyshawn Bartholomew is almost a crime. Almost a crime. So glad we start off with that. Oregon looks very bad. And you know what? If UCLA and USC leave, maybe we'll bring in UC Irvine to the Pac-12. Please do. Yeah, give me – well, I just need one UC school. Maybe that's the right one. Also, Nate Biddle sucks. He does. He's looking terrible. Okay, let's jump into the actual thing people want to hear about, Oregon State basketball, because it's been probably the best start you could have hoped for as an Oregon State fan. Like, this is maybe the perfect start for this team, as gone as good as you could have hoped. Let's start with the Tulsa game. Oregon State – Ekes out their season opener versus Tulsa, 73-70. to They come back from down 16 at halftime, 19 points at one point in the first half. Wayne Tinkle remains unbeaten in season openers. Sam, what are your thoughts from the game? I uh, First and foremost, I mean, all things considered, maybe my favorite 
first game of the season in 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 recent memory for sure probably ever i mean yeah why put the caveat ever not only was it a a 16 point well 19 point comeback that that featured so many thrilling plays it was a terrific game but also you know given given what was said about this team for them to immediately show who they are like that was was a special thing to witness yeah i think this was i'd throw it there with one of the most entertaining beaver games i've ever seen just with the comeback the like you said the way people predicted this team to play at the start of the year how it did not look smooth at all in the first half the offense looked really disjointed but it all just came together they played amazing defense which i think is going to be the calling card of this team they held tulsa to 36 percent shooting just swarming defense perfect help side rotations God, it was such a beautiful thing to see. The, the level of switching and talking they're doing, and, and maybe part of it is that there's not a ton of people there, and so you can hear them, but it's extremely impressive. It reminds me a lot of, of the team from Wayne Tinkle's first year, which was also facing insultingly low expectations and was more talented than people thought. But, um, yeah, it, they were just so sound. Um, but that team didn't have Jordan Pope. No, I'm glad you brought up Jordan Pope. So he's kind of the the star from the early part of the season, although I think they're developing kind of a three-headed monster between him, Taylor, and Akano. But Jordan Pope looks amazing. I think you were almost downplaying him in your hype coming into the year. I, I, I'll i just say this. It, the, the evidence was there for everybody else to be saying what I was last March. I mean, this was not something that should have snuck up on everybody. And, yes, Andy, I, I, I'll be as brazen to even say that I – I refrained from a Steph Curry comparison all offseason, even though I wanted to give one. Eldridge DeCaster could not. Yeah, Eldridge gave him his first Steph Curry uh, comparison. And that will not be the last one. No, although he's got kind of a Damian Lillard vibe to me, just because he's from Oakland area, he's from the Bay Area. He's so cold-blooded, he's so smooth, attacks the room well. Yeah, he looks great. He had 19 points in the first game against Tulsa, which is the third highest ever for a freshman in their uh, like opener for Oregon State. Just looks so smooth, so poised, could get his shot whenever he want. The Euro step and transition layup that he had in the second half was maybe one of the cooler basketball plays Oregon State's had in four to five years. I, I We talked, we joked about it in the moment that there's maybe three to five players I can think of that could have done that that have played for the Beavers to make that Euro step move to his left hand with somebody in front of them, especially, and maybe not at 18 years old. The only, the most recent one that could have was probably ironically Deshaun Davis, but he also would have thrown a pass into the corner instead of shot it and then screamed at somebody for not shooting it yeah, when he passed it to them. So it wouldn't have been as fun. No, it definitely wouldn't have been as fun. Yeah. Jordan Pope looks so good. It's uh, it's great to have him. seems like a real diamond in the rough because Oregon State was his only Pac-12 offer. It's one of the reasons why he chose to go to the school. So we beat him out from schools like Wichita State and San Francisco, which clearly he's just a next-level player. So real good job on the recruiting on that to uh, the coaches on the staff. Which we we have to reiterate how crazy that is. Like he played with nothing but four- and five-star guys at Prolific Prep. Like all of his teammates are power five guys, and he was better than most of them. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But glad he's on our team. Um, everyone else played really well, too. Uh, Akano had 18 points. Taylor had 16. I think we've talked about it before. I think Taylor's going to really pop off at some point this season because he's getting to the rim whenever he wants. He's having a hard time finishing at the rim, but just he looks explosive and athletic. And he's putting his head down. And 
trying to smash his face through the backboard. He's had some clunky moments in the first two games, but his talent is is apparent. He's Glenn Taylor's a beast. I don't know if anyone else besides you and I caught that he took the tie out of his hair at halftime because he wasn't very good in the first half, and then he went to work after that. And uh, I don't believe he had it for the second game, so maybe he put that behind him. Yeah, exactly. But he was a monster in the second half. He was a monster. That's, that's going to be the big three, I think, for our – Oregon State this year, it's already apparent that that's kind of what the offense is going to flow through those guys, and one of them is going to be on the court at all times. Everyone's going to fall in love with Dexter. He really does look like a totally different player than than last year, and anybody that shouts out the managers in two different occasions in a post-game interview is is a god in my book. Yeah, that was, that was so funny. He shouted out the managers twice in his post-game interview, <laughs> just said everyone was dialed in all the way from like the players and the coaches down to the managers. And then he got another, another shout out to the managers. And then too. worked it and said, even the managers again, yeah. he is a lovable individual. And the managers, shout out to the managers. They did beat the Tulsa managers in a game of basketball. Yeah. We're going to, I, you spoiled one of my shout outs. I'm still going to make it later because I'm the fact that we have manager games back rules and, I know. I'll just make the declaration now. We've talked about how Andy and I should should host the Fan Fest. We should be on the call for the manager games. Yeah, I would love that. Um, other players who look great. Andela really settled into his role as like the sixth man off the bench. He looked really great. He had nine rebounds against Tulsa, led the team. He's just too big, too strong for backup centers and power forwards to guard. You're going to have to put your starter back in there when he comes in but you want their starters in when they're playing against Shoal. So it's a real mismatch, a good one-two punch for Oregon State in the post right now. The front court advantages over these mid-major teams is so much more than than anybody thought it would be except you and I kind of. But, yeah, I mean, Andel is a beast. He seems kind of back that his favorite move, and he's done it in each game and gotten a dunk, is when he catches it in the short corner and dribbles towards the center of the key and then dunks over somebody and – and that's what we saw him do in Instagram a couple times in practice this offseason. And so very happy for Ronnie. His foot seems to be fine. Yeah, and he did those uh, dunks on the Instagram over Scholl, and that kind of made us question Scholl. But now watching him, we're thinking, Scholl's a dominant defensive presence. The, the, well, the, the real nasty one was against Abekwe, who was <laughs> learning at his own pace. People are going to fall in love with him when he gets into a game, too. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Scholl's looking great. He had four blocks, three rebounds. So he had more blocks than rebounds in the first game. And he's got a legit like seven, eight, seven, ten wingspan. He's blocking shots from the other side of the key routine. The, the the rebounding will come. It may not be the last game where he has more block shots than rebounding, but he he was so mobile. What I mean, teams are gonna do this, especially teams that are lacking size. They just ran a bunch of ball screens and made him run to the three-point line, and the way he recovered was so impressive. No, the hustle is great from everybody. And just speaking of hustle, how do we decide to say his name? Ruby? I'm, I'm going to go with uh, what they said on TV, and that was Ravini. Ravini. Um, I don't think that's it. I don't though. think that's right either. We got to, we've got to check that with somebody. When we go down the game on Saturday, we'll check that. But the transfer from San Francisco, Ravini, he – I just want to read the stat line to you. 11 points, 6 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 blocks, 2 steals. We, I've, I've kind of fallen and in love with And two made threes. And two made threes. I've kind of fallen in love with this game because he's just – he's the ultimate right place, right time player. He's just always in the right place. He's always there at the right time. He's got great hands. He gets the most deflections, I would say, off anyone on the team. And he's been a pleasant surprise because I did not expect this type of game from him. But he's I, a great connector. We were both probably – 
pretty surprised. I think everybody was that he started and not Andela, but um, he stretches the floor more than him, and he's got such active hands defensively. So he got his hands on balls defensively no, he's, more than anybody else. And, and Taylor and, and Akano get their deflections too. No, he's such a smart player. He had a great run out, I think, against Florida A&M from Jordan Pope for a full-court pass. But he just really – and he plays a more perimeter game, but he's tall enough where he can still give you some of that defensive blocks and rebounds inside. But he's a great neck uh, – I want to call it like a hockey assist guy, like a pass to a pass to get the assist. Just a really great connector, always makes like the unselfish play, and his decisions are so quick. You never see him hold on to it for very long. I just – I really enjoy this game. He's been quite the pleasant surprise for me. The IQ, yeah, is is very – apparent with him and also it's just dope to have a hooper from belarus on your team not a lot of people could say that it's part of the international flair that the announcers are really highlighting at the start of the games for oregon state um other than that the freshmen all played they look pretty good pope's obviously the best Retai and billadu look like they can be solid contributors off the bench in that front court lineup both good athletes both big uh Ritai was especially impressive in the second game but yeah yeah, I'm, I'm still excited about both of them. They both looked very freshman-y at times in each of the first two games. So did Jaden Stevens, who's had his moments. Crass looks like they want him to be that backup point guard. But right now, late in a close game, if it's not Pope, it's going to be Akano until he gets some more games under his belt. But Nick Crass did dive on the floor about 30 seconds into his first college game, which was also not surprising. He just looks like an Oregon State guy. <laughs> he really does. That was a very on on brand comment from Eldridge <laughs> in the second game. Um speaking of the second game, do you want to move on to the Florida AM game? Do you have anything else you want to say about the Tulsa game? Other than that, it was truly an amazing game and everyone should buy into this team just based off that alone. Yes, yeah, so we were made aware um later on in the week but uh that was the first men's game the women played earlier in in the night and still won but so that was the first night of basketball in gill salt coliseum with a beer sales available and each team won a thrilling game not a coincidence i don't think anyone would argue that it is that's right we should really highlight that we repeat you can get beer in gill you now. can get gill beers now that is fucking insane Get a Gill beer, get a Gill dog, sit down and watch some great basketball. And then try not to just bliss out because <laughs> you do have to go home later. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to Oregon State's second game. Oregon State beat Florida A&M 60-43. We were supposed to go to the game, but we couldn't because it was a, like just a central parking lot on the highway. That was insane. Very, very disturbing. I mean, we didn't get to see the wreck. I mean, and we we cannot exaggerate enough what a what an awful traffic situation that was. The first real bit of adversity I think the Beaver basketball family has faced in in since the end of last season. It was very disappointing, obviously. But luckily we hit the point of no return where we were like an hour and 40 minutes away from Corvallis at five o'clock. It but, was more than that. But we could yeah, but we could turn around and still get back to my house by six o'clock and what catch the game. So we did that and we got the full thing and I'm happy we did it. Cause I, this team is so fun to watch. I love the way they're playing right now. I love this offense where it's kind of like the dribble drive handoff. You can either see Pope take the crossover step back or hit a deep three or Akano or Taylor just put their heads down and Euro step around people. You can tell that Taylor has been working on Euro steps a lot in the offseason. I, I, I think that Florida A&M was kind of, they first of all played extremely hard. They were kind of Tulsa light, like they, you know, had a size disadvantage the same way, and were relying on 
two to three guards to to make a ton of shots for them. Only Tulsa's uh, the guy Bestwick, and then that was the Chicago State transfer, and then I'm forgetting the one that was Griffin, even Griffin. Sam Griffin. Yeah. yeah, the guy. He was their leading scorer last year. We highlighted him and said he was going to be a problem, but I don't think we predicted he'd go off for 30 right. points like Steph Curry. He was insane. Yeah, he, and so they were each a little better than the two dudes for Florida A&M, but they, those two, especially the lefty guy, each made really difficult shots. I mean, it's, it says a lot for your defense when you give up 43 points, and I can still remember three to five shots Florida A&M made that were like, well, there's nothing to complain about there. That was that was heavily contested. Yeah, they were just making shots at the start, but it was an insane defense. I mean, Oregon State, again, they held Florida A&M to 31% shooting. So that's 36% against Tulsa, 31% against Florida A&M. The defense has been on fire. 43 points is the second lowest by a team in the Wayne Tinkle era. So they're just – they're stifling people. And, yeah, I don't know. The defense – the main problem for Florida A&M was size was way harder for them than it was for Tulsa, and they had no answer for Andela in the second half. He had yeah, 10 he, points, 5 for 5. He just could not be stopped when he got the ball if they didn't triple-team him. That was Yeah, that was a grown man playing against still developing young athletes. He just bowled them out of the way. Yeah, Akano had 15 points all in the second half to lead the team. He kind of like got it going. I think, to me, he stood out as – maybe the emotional leader of the team. Cause I see him talking so much on the floor, so much on the bench. He seems like such a good kid in the interviews. Um, but I think he's at least right now, the energy leader for the team coming in and off the game or in and off the floor. He seems more vocal than Glenn. I, I mean, there, maybe it's narrative. I think it's genuine though, that the two of them really took it upon themselves to be kind of the, no, they're the doing a great mods. job. What are they, the little story they talked about in the game was that uh, Taylor and Akano held a barbecue for the team. Yeah, yeah, legend status. Yeah, so they're doing a great job. The chemistry is 180. <laughs> it's, right, as as someone who's been, you know, very, very close proximity to both teams, it's it, that they're not making that up about the buy-in and the culture being different just because they're starting well. It is very, very real. Yeah, so that's great to see because that's a huge culture setter for the rest of the season. Um, what else looked good in this game? Oh, I want to say that uh, I thought Ratai, this was a great game for Ratai. He ended up with eight points, 4-4. Four, four. He didn't get as many minutes. He kind of let Bilodeau jump him a little bit in the lineup rotation. Yeah, I thought um, – and Ratai was brilliant in the last five and a half minutes. It, it, it's very unusual to see a guy go in for the first time with like five and a half minutes in the first half and play – basically the rest of the half and then not go in again until there's like five minutes left in the game. And I think Wayne kind of put the score out of his mind that he was comfortable that they'd win regardless of who he had out there. And he was experimenting clearly, but Ratai was a monster those last five minutes. Yeah. I think he's going to find his way into a lot of minutes this year because he just looks like such a stud athlete. He's very mobile. You're right. He is a legit six, nine. He's very strong. He's got good touch. He's made a couple of nice passes. He had a nice wraparound pass to Bilodeau. Um, I've been very impressed with him. I think he settles into like the seventh man, I bet, eventually behind Andela. I would agree. I think the speed of Division One college basketball and maybe some of the intensity is different than playing in Europe when there's not a coach screaming at you for a full possession all the time. But he has played against grown men. And so it's, it's, got, it's not going to be – too crazy of an adjustment for him. And we saw him start to look really comfortable against Florida A&M. Yeah, he looked great. He had a big dunk. So did Econo. Just This team is dunking a lot. They're getting a lot of cool fast break Euro steps. They push the pace a lot, look for turnovers. They're just a fun team to watch. 
And it, it's coming from different guys, too. Yeah, it's all... Shoal had his first dunk as a beaver. Shoal had his first dunk. Shoal was... That was his only uh, basket of the game. He was one for six. But he was a lot more aggressive to start this game off. He took, like, three shots right off the gate, which I think he only took, like, one in the first game. So it's good to see him look for his own shot a little bit because he can shoot at that. The announcers were kind of laughing at him because he missed a three really badly, but he can shoot yeah, that. We've seen him make too many of those to 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 laugh at that. I mean, it's understandable if you haven't because he's 7-2, but he's going to get hot from there one game this year, and it's going to be epic. Yeah, definitely. I think another thing I noticed from this game, like I was looking at the minutes, and I noticed it while we were watching too, but Ravini's minutes fell off by about like 10, so we went down to 20 minutes a game uh, as opposed to 30 in the first game. So that kind of left really only Pope, Akano, and Taylor getting 30-plus minutes, and I think that's going to be something common you see where those are really the cornerstone guys for this team, and one of them will always be on the court at the same without the others. It looks like Taylor kind of gets more time by himself on the court with Akano and Pope more paired up, but – that's because Glenn Taylor, he's essentially like an offense on his own at this point because he can get to the rim whenever he wants, and I'm convinced he's going to start popping off for big numbers at some point. He he is eventually going to have to be comfortable, which he does not look right now. His, his jumper is a little off, and he is so athletic that it doesn't really matter. He's just making the conscious decision to get to the rim every time instead of of shooting a bunch of long range jumpers, and he is not going to have to stop doing that in the next two games. Bushnell and Portland State aren't going to have guys to stop him from getting there when he wants to. No, I think I think a lot of teams in the Pac-12 aren't going to absolutely have guys that can stop him. I think he's really turking like another level as a scorer. And I'm I'm I know we haven't seen it in the numbers quite yet, but just the way he's getting to the rim, he just looks almost like a different player to me this year than he did last year. So much more aggressive. It's not off other people feeding him the ball. He kind of runouts. It's all self-created one-on-one uh, -on -one isolation, which is great to have. Oregon State right now has three guys who can score one-on-one -on -one in isolation with consistency in Pope, Akano, and Taylor, which is something they haven't had in years to have more than just one or more two. Than, yeah, one tops, and and they're they're going to get better playing all three of them together, too. I think that's a, a work in progress as well. Yeah, so I don't know. I just see it's fun that this team is already so good, but it's clear what they can do or what, like, it's clear how they're going to get better, and you can see the signs of it already starting to happen. But just to see that they're already so much better than people thought they were going to be, or and then to see the path forward is like very tangible. It's just a different feeling as a Beaver fan. It's and and you said it at the top. I mean, shout outs to the haters that were so adamant that they'd be so bad that a two and zero start is already enough that you should you know be eating your words a little bit. You've got to be pretty hateful for a two and zero start to. To, to do that, but that that is the case with a lot of people. And it's just new feelings, you know. I mean, the Oregon State never trailed against the Rattlers, but they never really had – they had a hard time pulling away until kind of the end of the game. But it's just a different position that Oregon State was never in last year to be like, well, I know we're going to win this game, but I just wish we'd win it by a little bit more. You know, you as a Beaver fan, you haven't had that feeling in a long time. No, and it ended up being, being a, a comfortable margin anyway. Exactly. Um, anything else you want to cover from the two games that happened before we look ahead? To shout out. I mean, it was great to have our first call from former Peyton Years guest Eldridge Ricaster um, Friday. He really clearly wanted Florida A&M to win. Very um, clearly cheering for Florida. But uh, he's our guy. That That's Peyton Years. He's a Peyton head, so we can forgive him. And I'm sure he'll be on another Beaver game soon where he won't. <laughs> 
clearly want the other team to win more. Clearly. And yeah, and we, and seriously, get Eldridge on as many Oregon State games as possible if there's anyone in the Pac 12 network who listens to this because he is just the best guy. He's a gem. He's so good. Um, okay, looking ahead, Oregon State plays Bushnell on uh, um, 8 o'clock on the Pac 12. Network at home. Bushnell used to be called um, Northwest Christian, which is the college right next to University of Oregon. It was famously coached by Luke Jackson for a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts going into the game? So I, I did a, a rundown of Bushnell um, and what they've done so far earlier this afternoon. Haven't had a chance to see them play. I mean, this is an NAIA school. I think the collective and correct expectation is this should be a blowout and I think it will be. Bushnell doesn't has one guy above 6'10. They have two or three, maybe four guys around 6'6, six, 6'7. Six, six, but a lot of Oregon guys. A lot of local products. If you're a fan of Oregon high school basketball. If you're a fan of Baker City basketball, they have like some three names. kids from Baker City. Shout out Stevie Schlaubach, who was a bucket getter at Tigard. Um, and I actually was an assistant coach on his U18 AAU team for for the spring team fly all the way, but uh, Stevie can't guard anybody. So Tuesday might be rough for him. Well, they, uh, this game, first off, it'll count as a regular season game for OSU, but it's an exhibition game for Bushnell, which I find, I mean, good for Bushnell. I find that kind of interesting. I mean, what's the harm in it? Well, and here's the thing is I don't, in my heart, I don't like this school because to me, they're U of O adjacent, they're U of O light. Just because you change your name doesn't mean you're still not the same Northwest Christian yeah. that just takes on failed duck Eugene players. Eugene is Eugene. Eugene is Eugene, exactly. And I want to point this out. I, I also did a quick uh, peruse of their schedule. They blew out Portland Bible College 95-31. to 31. See, I saw, And then the Willamette game. And what, before I scrolled, yeah. I was like, well, oh, okay, maybe they do have have a group that can can compete. And they blew out Willamette, yeah, exactly, 121-76. to 76. Then they lost two games to what sound like pretty highly ranked NAIA schools and kind of like a fancier tournament. So, yeah, maybe it's a better NAIA school, but they're going to get repped by Oregon State. And I just want you to know as you're watching it, that's okay because these guys are happy to just – kick the teeth in of Portland Bible College, which me and you like because that's where the Portland pro basketball game was. No, that was Multnomah, but that's the same league. Um, <laughs> yes, but we're rioters for Portland Bible. I actually also have a buddy who's an assistant coach at Willamette. So so Tuesday we avenge um, what Let's call. Let's just get called Bushnell classless because they're in Eugene. They totally ran the score up. They were. I didn't see the games, but obviously they were pressing at the end, even fouling to extend it and get more dunks. And so, we're we're gonna avenge those two schools Tuesday. It's a moral victory, no matter what happens, unless they lose. But no matter how big it is, just remember yes. that's a moral victory. You just be screaming more, more <laughs> on your television in the final minutes. Uh, then Oregon State takes on Portland State at home, 7 o'clock on the Pac-12 Network. Um, one thing I want to know about this game is that neither team has uh, written a preview for it on their website yet. Normally on the schedule page, they put up previews of it. But That is right in line with Portland State's athletic department. Uh, but I wanted to say real quick about the Bushnell game. If you're looking for a storyline besides the Beavers whooping somebody's ass, it's that um, – It'll very likely, if all things go the way they should, be the first game that their two walk-ons, Donovan Grant and Felipe Palazzo, get into, and also KC Beckway. But Felipe was a manager last year, and so when he gets in, it's going to be a cool moment. A cool moment, and it'll be cool in a Beckway place, too, because you're right. People are going to love that giant. <laughs> that big old friendly bear. 
Um, okay, but Oregon State takes on Portland State. PSU is 0-2 right now. They lost to University of Seattle tonight and lost to University of Portland earlier in the week, although they played UP pretty close. Um, their leading scorer is a Jesuit standout local guy, Cameron Parker, transferred in from Montana first last year. But yeah. yeah, another guy who, not to the same degree as Isaac Bonton, but it's, it's fun because if he's been playing varsity basket. I feel like I've known who Cameron Parker is for like 15 years at this point, and it almost maybe has. <laughs> about as PIL adjacent as you can get with ever, without ever actually going to a PIL school. Yeah, exactly. So it's just kind of a classic Portland State team. A lot of new faces, a lot of people transferring in for their last year. You'll recognize one of them, it's Isaiah Johnson. He had 10 points against UP and played a big role in their kind of comeback against the Pilots, had a dunk, had a three-pointer. So look for him. He's still not starting. He didn't start tonight, but he's getting buckets out there. He's getting minutes and, and scoring when he does. So I bet he'll have some run against Port against Oregon State. Yeah, he'll play a lot. He didn't start in their game tonight. I caught the last like seven minutes or so, and he was in the game for pretty much all of that. So he's finishing games for them. Um, it's an interesting team, kind of. I mean, it's hard to say a lot about them. I was surprised that they played Portland so well, but they they press the whole game and go for traps and try to shoot as quickly as they can. So they'll score a lot of points. It'll be a new test for the Beavers. But um, Yeah, keep a lookout for Bobby Harvey. Um, he's a transfer, Chicago player, senior. He's been around, played for a lot of different schools. But just uh, I just really like his name. Bobby, they had another one. They, I think it was Herbert Woods, too. Yeah. yeah, so they got some cool kind of like baller names. And those guys, I don't know, if you're at Portland State right now, their coach is doing a good job of using the transfer portal to kind of get strong guards in the last year of their career, looking to kind of like put some points up. Which is an identity they, they need to embrace at Portland State. And I, I was critical of when they hired – I'm Coburn, is that his last name? Yeah. Because it seemed like a – just you know you're you're looking for something to make a splash and so you go with the most insane sounding person you could go with rather than the best fit but i'm starting to think that is the fit they need they need a maniac there because nobody cares about portland state athletics at this point no they're and it's a shame no i don't think anyone's even bothered by it except me well i think they're going to lose their sports programs pretty soon it really feels like that this is a bit of a tangent but the fact that friday night they played a football game against the number one, I believe, team in FCS at Hillsborough Stadium, and nobody knew about it. And the next day, the the soccer set the five A Oregon soccer semifinals had a bigger crowd. That is a true thing. Yeah. So maybe consider doing that. Yeah, we'll see what happens to Viking sports. But for now, as a Viking alumni, I love it. I love to go catch a game once a year. They're, they're, it's fun. The basketball team, I think, is clearly the one they wanted to succeed because they made that new stadium not that long ago. Mm -hmm. but, uh, and they were a fun team at the end of last year, too. But, again, it's like 15 new guys. Yeah, it's hard to get any sort of consistency over there. Um, but we should probably stop talking about Portland State basketball for some it, yeah, it's, it's, it's a rabbit hole. Mean you will go down with anybody if they ask. Right. It doesn't take much, but um, it's it's going to be the last game for a while because after that they play the PK eighty five. But the size is going to help them a ton. Yeah, it's going to be really important to get I think these two wins and get four and zero because that's going to put you in the right mindset to take on Duke at the PK eighty five. I, I have already have that mindset. I am. We will be going into Thanksgiving morning fearless. I can say that. Not not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but yeah, I think that 
Shoal will be a pain in the ass for Portland State the way he was for Tulsa and, and uh, Florida A&M for sure. Yeah, it's gonna, too much size. Neither of these teams stand a chance against Oregon State. I'm predicting a 2-0 sweep, obviously. I, I too, am predicting a 2-0 sweep. We'll be there Saturday, hell or high water. We'll leave six yeah, hours yeah, early we're if getting, we have yeah, to. We, yeah, no, we, might, we might do it anyways, just for the heck of it, just to get down to Corvallis. Um, all right, let's do some quick Ken Palm ponderings on our way out because Oregon State is 2-0. They are no longer ranked 228th in the country. Ken Palm has finally come to his senses, and he has raised them all the way up to 218. That, I mean, I don't know what it would take to get a bigger jump, but, I, I mean, I guess I'm going to get some more context here from you, but I just, it's really hard not to hate Ken Palm. Um, where do you think – Cal is Cal on a team that's 0-2 right now that I predicted would be the worst team in the Pac-12 but might go winless in conference. Now it's looking like they might go winless out of conference because um, they lost to UC Davis, which as an Oregon State fan, you got a tip of the cap, say, hey, that can happen to anybody right. at any given time. The, those Aggies will get you. Those Aggies will get you. Where do you think Cal is ranked, better or worse than Oregon State? I am going to have a visceral reaction if they're not worse. They are better. They're 170th in the country right now. I just, it's obvious, like, no one cares about, well, a lot of people care about Ken Palm. I'm getting, like, really upset talking about it right now. But it just, what's the point of making them before they play a game if you're not going to be willing to change them drastically when it becomes apparent that that's not right? Devin Askew, I think, who's the point guard transfer from Kentucky, is going to He's going to end up on the floor a couple times from Jordan Pope just crossing him up and hitting a shot in his face. You say he, Devin Askew makes Quaddy Green look like Jason Kidd. Like you wow. hear, Kentucky, <laughs> well, like everyone kind of made fun of Quaddy Green for being on that really shitty Washington team during the COVID year. Right. But it wasn't like he was bad. Devin Askew is also bad. Well, he fits right in there. Yeah, we'll see. He, and he's their best player by far. Is, is Shepard gone? No, he's still there. Okay. Well, he's, oh no, wait, he's gone. Yeah. See, yeah, he was kind of good. They would, I would say they, yeah, the winless thing with them is be, two games in. I know it's early, but it, it's looking pretty real at Cal. Um, Oregon, a team that lost to UC Irvine, forty-six spots better. Well, Oregon's going to be better, even though again, if you just based it on watching the games so far, that is not accurate either. Um, yeah, they are better. They're 45, so they took a big tumble, and it'll be hard for them to come back. And I'm I'm gracefully stepping back from my Oregon will win the Pac-12 take that I had earlier in the year because I'm not Ken Palm, and I know when to readjust after I watch the games. And I am, I'm stepping gracefully a long distance back, as far away from the take as I can get because I do not think they will win the yeah, conference. That's the one that's, that's kind of the, the, our preseason take that is getting a little chilly. And I had them up there too, but I also was under the impression that Kalel Ware wasn't still learning how to play basketball. He looks good. Though. They're just not him and, and Valley Dante look are look good. Dante is a monster. The guards are just so bad. It's it is a guard it's, play it's issue. Guard I just problem. I did want to just sneak a shot in it. He is he'll get a lot better too. Yeah, I mean, and he looked good in the games. He looks like a monster. He he he's just not going to be the difference maker. Well, clearly they all, they were down almost thirty to UC Irvine. Yeah, it was a complete Friday. Problem. Uh, but it is it is kind of funny watching Altman play him and Bill together, and you have like 14 feet of height between two guys, and they're still just getting burned <laughs> in its own defense by UC Irvine. <laughs> Very yeah. satisfying. Very satisfying. That was a great game. Um, Yale, 2-0 Yale. Yale's going to be higher. 
He has he has a uh, an Ivy League bias. He does. Yale is higher. They're 145 in the country. That is okay. So all, all of all of them I've heard so far, I bet that is the closest to being <laughs> accurate. Accurate. Okay. And last one, our old bellwether for the season, a, a team that we watched and we were actually yeah. disappointed <laughs> in how good they were. Uh, Queens Queens College, uh, the team that was ranked. Just ahead of Oregon State at 227 to start the year off. They uh, we watched their game. They beat Marshall, I think, in the first game we saw, which is a pretty good sized school. They look strong, great guards, cool uniforms. We're not going to shy away from this, but we've created kind of a predicament for ourselves because we watched them beat Marshall, who's also good by one point, and there was lots of dunking and made threes, and the crowd was crazy. And so, all right, Ken Palm, touche. But they're they're not better than the Beavers either, right? But they are very cool. Um, so that was the best game of the two hundred plus <laughs> games played on Monday. That was probably the best one. All right, so they're two and zero. Oh. What do you think? Is the Queens ranked higher or better or worse than Oregon State? I'm okay. This is this, I'm saying worse because I know the result of their second game, and that was against an NA, that was a bye game for them against an NAIA team. Yeah, they are worse. They are 225. So they're moving up the Ken Palm Pole. It's just taking them a little bit longer than Oregon State. But yeah, 225. Oregon State's already eclipsed Queens College at school in its very first year of D1 basketball. Well, thank goodness for that that show of respect from Ken Palm. But I just – it again, I'm going through this weird thing where now I'm getting defensive for Queens. <laughs> of all the resumes that you just ran off, they should be the second best one behind the Beavers, not the second worst. Yeah, it is frustrating because they are. I, and I want to stress this to beer fans. They're such a cool team. Like, they that, they <laughs> play basketball in a way that everyone could agree is awesome. Exactly. Um, all right. Any shout outs on our way out of here? Um, just shout out to whoever got Bill or beer passed within Gill. Excuse me. Um, yeah, I can't wait for my first Gill beer. It's It's been a long time coming. So whoever was behind that decision and got that going, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Seriously, shout out to you. You are a true hero. And um, you know what? I want to I want to double down. I want to shout out Jordan Pope on this and say that I think he right now will win freshman of the year for the Pac-12. I haven't seen the UCLA All-Americans. I haven't seen Arizona. Nick Cronin's their coach and Tiger Campbell's on their team. They're not going to have the freedom to do that. I think right now there is a legitimate pathway for Jordan Pope to be Pac-12 freshman of the year. And, and so a shout out to Jordan Pope and, and a shout out to you and I for, and especially me, for not being afraid to say it a long time ago, for not letting narratives given by other people who didn't really know anything about him or watch him play the way they should have affect my opinion of what we were seeing. And so congratulations on getting to watch Jordan Pope play basketball. Peyton Eds. Yeah, you're going to enjoy it. And you know what? I just want to say this too. Fuck the Ducks. Fuck the Ducks. All right. Go Beast forever. We'll see you all very soon.